0: take the kids to make their way to junior church and while they're making their way to junior church we're going to turn to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 verses 1 through 4 this morning. looks like we need to pray for our workers in the back they're going to have a class full (laughs) okay romans chapter eight there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in christ jesus for the law of the spirit of life in christ jesus has set you free from the law of sin and of death for what the law could not do weak as it was through the flesh god did sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and as an offering for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh, in order that the requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. If you were here last week, you know that we left the Apostle Paul in the midst of a struggle, a struggle that is all too familiar to all of us there. The things that he desired to do, he found he didn't have the strength to do, the things that he did, sometimes he wondered, why in the world did I do that? <laughs> We've all been there. We all understand what the struggle was that he was dealing with in Romans chapter 7. As we look at that chapter, is that going to work for us? Okay. Is it this one? Okay. You want to go to the other one? Okay. Okay. Just get that one off. There we go. Okay. In chapter 7, the Apostle Paul used that little word, I, 47 times. That's quite, quite a lot when you stop and think about it. And as long as he was trying in and of himself, he was failing. As you come down to verse 24 of that chapter, he says, wretched man that I am. Who can set me free? He realized, I can't do that. Who's going to do it? And then in verse 25, we had the key to the victory there. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord there. He recognized that what he couldn't do, the Spirit of God was able to do in his life. And so when we come to chapter 8, we are going to find in this chapter that the Spirit of God is mentioned 19 times. Paul's setting aside himself And he's recognizing if I'm going to have a life of victory, I need to walk in the Spirit. I need the Spirit of God to direct me. Someone has said in chapter 8 that it begins with no condemnation, ends with no separation, and in between, if we walk in the Spirit, there is no defeat. Tremendous chapter of Scripture. He does for us what we cannot do for ourselves. How is that possible? How can we have victory today? As we look at chapter seven, and I, I think I need to maybe say something at the very beginning here. If, if I don't follow the notes that are up there in scripture, that's not Ginger's fault. <laughs> this message is a work in progress. I, I had it all figured out last week, and then I sat down. I think it was Wednesday morning. We finally had a quiet moment in everybody was either resting or or down with the new baby and so forth and so i started revising it and then i came in saturday morning i thought you know what i got to add this <laughs> and then i came down this morning early and i thought you know i didn't add quite enough yet <laughs> so her her notes are the original ones and I'll try to follow them as well as I can but you're going to have several other verses and so forth thrown in that uh, so you need to pay attention don't just look at the screen but you'll have to jot down what I, some of those other other verses as well but chapter 8 presents to us seven resources seven blessings that enable us to live for God as we walk through this life we're going to look at the first one today and uh, thinking that we're going to be 5 or 6 weeks in this chapter. Last time I taught it it was 2 weeks. Now we're up to 6 weeks at least, 5 6 weeks I think. But you know the good thing about that is uh, this is a tremendous chapter of scripture. If you can get your mind wrapped around this chapter, it'll do it'll change your life. So if we take 6 weeks at it, you can have it memorized by the end of those 6 weeks only 39 verses, and so that's six or seven verses a week. That, that's not a problem there. You already know the first verse. That's an easy one. You already know verse 28. You probably know verse 32, and, and maybe even the last two verses. So it's not that big of assignment there to, to, to memorize this particular chapter here. But uh, how do we live for God? Now, we need to go back and review what we've looked at the last several weeks. In chapter 4 and 5, we looked at the fact that we have been justified. God has paid for us the penalty for our sin. Justification deals with the penalty of sin. It's in the past tense. Jesus Christ went to the cross. He paid that price. We have been justified in Christ Jesus. Chapter 6 and 7 deals with our sanctification, where today we are being delivered from not the penalty of sin. That's already taken care of. We're being delivered from the power of sin. It's its hold on our life. And that's a a daily struggle that, that we face as we walk through this life. Chapter 8 brings us to preservation. And I think you might have that. You don't have that good because I had it wrong in my notes, spelled wrong. And I, I put perseverance rather than preservation. But that is the work of the God delivering us from... The presence of sin now that 's not going to happen in this lifetime we're looking ahead in that to the day when we are with Christ in glory, and someday the work of sanctification will be complete in philippians one six he said that which he hath begun who who is he it 's Jesus Christ, that which he began in us he 's going to continue doing that until he returns till the day of jesus christ in in uh, First John chapter three verse two, he speaks of the fact that when he shall appear, we will be like him because we will see him as he is. We haven't fully seen him today; that work isn't complete yet in our lives. Now, here's one area where I'm moving away from the notes that are up there. This same thought comes out of Titus chapter two, verses eleven through fourteen. Titus chapter two, verses eleven through fourteen. In, in verse eleven, there. He says, "The grace of God hath appeared, bringing us what?" And have you memorized that one? It brings us salvation. Okay, that's the work of justification. There, it's a result of the grace of God. And then, in the very next verse, there in verse twelve, it says, "The grace of God teaches us how to live." Soberly, godly in this present world. So that's the work of sanctification there. And then you come down to 13 and 14. He's looking for that blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's the end of the process. That's when we're finally home with him in glory. Until then, we're in a process. And it's possible for us today to experience victory as we walk through this life the first resource that he gives to us and in the next several weeks you you got to put all of those notes together because this is number 1 next week will be number 2 and and so forth there so you you're going to look at the outline next week and say hey he missed something there no no I didn't it, it's just you you got to be here every week for the next 6 weeks <laughs> okay to, to to get it all but uh, the first blessing uh, that we have is we have a new position in Christ. And that's what he's revealing to us in verses one through four. The fact of the matter is, when we accept Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, we are changed. We are no longer sinners, we're sinners saved by grace. There's a big difference there. We're we're no longer just sinners. We are sinners saved by grace. We have been brought into the family of God. He's going to reveal that to us when we get down to verse 14 and 15 there. But because of the fact that we've been born again, we are part of the family of God. With that then comes three freedoms. First of all, in our new position, we are free from condemnation. That's how he starts out in verse 1. Therefore, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Now, as we look at that, do you ever look at your life and wonder, how is that possible? When I do some of the things that I do, when I say some of the things that I say, when I lose my temper or whatever it is that, that you struggle with, how can God say, I'm free from condemnation? Then you go back to chapter 3, verse 10, where he says there is none righteous, no, not one. And yet, in chapter 5, verse 16, he declares the fact that the gift uh, that Jesus brings is not like that which comes through the one who sinned. For on the one hand, the judgment arose from one transgression resulting in condemnation. That's what we were before we came to Christ. On the other hand, the free gift arose from many transgressions resulting in justification. We have been justified. And because we have been justified, the price has been paid. We are no longer under condemnation. It's based on the work of Christ, on his blood that was shed for us, his body that was given for us. He dealt with that condemnation in our behalf. First Peter puts it this way in verse 18 and 19. It says, knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your vain conversation, but with the precious blood of a lamb without blemish and without spot. The blood of Jesus Christ. That is what frees us from the condemnation that we were under before we came to Christ. Now, as you think of that, we have an example of that in the Old Testament. In Exodus, you have the story of the children of Israel being brought out of, the promise, out, out of Egypt, headed for the promised land. Before that started, they went through what they celebrate as the Passover. You remember the tenth plague that came upon the Egyptians? It also came upon the children of Israel. The, the first three plagues they were subject to and the last plague they, they, they were subject to. And, and in that plague, God said, I'm going to send my death angel through the land. The firstborn in every household will be put to death unless you apply the blood. He said, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And so they took the lamb and they sacrificed the lamb. They put the, some of the blood on the, the doorposts and on the lintel there and so forth. And, and uh, they went inside, and as long as they stayed inside, the firstborn was safe. Now, I can't help but wonder how many of them felt safe knowing the death angel was coming. Was the blood going to be sufficient? Was it going to work? You know what? Whether they felt like it or not, they were safe because God had given his word. I will pass over you when I see that blood. They were secure whether they realized it or not. And the same thing I think is true for us today. Do you ever wrestle with doubts? Do you ever wonder, am I going to make it? Have I done enough? The fact of the matter is, God says the past is dealt with. In Psalm 103, verse 12, he says, as far as the east is from the west, that's how far I've removed your transgression from us. That's a long ways. You start walking east you will circle the globe, and you will keep going. You'll, you'll never go west. They, they, they don't meet. You just keep going east there. That's a long ways. Jeremiah thirty-one thirty-four, he says, Your sins and your iniquities I will remember no more. I will not bring them to mind. I will not hold you accountable for them. Why? Because Christ went to the cross and paid for them. And Micah chapter 7, he says in verse 19, I've taken your sins, and I've buried them in the depths of the deepest sea. And sometimes I think we need to recognize that God has done that for us, and we need to leave them buried there in the deepest sea. Somebody said when God buried those in the deepest sea, he put up a no-fishing sign. (laughs) And yet how many times do we go fishing in the past? How many times do we play that if-only game? If only I hadn't done that. Uh, God could use me more, and, and so forth. How many times do we needlessly wrestle with questions and doubts when God says there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus? He has settled the past. It has been dealt with. We are a new creature in Christ. I thought of that years ago. I, I had a funeral service down in cul sac for a, a young lady that had committed suicide. I don't know where she stood with the Lord. I, I didn't know her. I never met the family. Uh, she came through. A, a grandmother had to ask me if I would do the service for them. But uh, she had been on drugs. She called up her eight-year-old daughter and asked her to come home, and she was going to shoot the daughter and herself. Well, she daughter took longer than she expected to come, and so she just shot herself. And the little girl walks in and find, finds Mom there on the floor. But uh, I... I, I met with the husband after we we had the the service, and then we had a time of a meal together and so forth and fellowship for the family. And, and I still remember standing at the door. Most people had gone. The ladies were cleaning up in the kitchen. The husband came up to me and he said, "Is it going to be all right?" And I thought, "Well, we're we're done. <laughs> the service is over. We're we're packing up. We're going home." I, what 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 are you talking about? He said, "No. What I mean is." Will she make it? And, you know, that's a tough question at a time like that. Will she make it? I said, I honestly can't answer that question because I don't know her heart. I didn't know her. I didn't know if she had made a decision to accept the Lord. I said, I don't know know what went on in those final moments of her heart and mind as she lay there. And so I said, I can't answer that question for her. But I said, the important thing is, will you make it? Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? And uh, he had to admit that he wasn't ready yet for something like that to happen in in his own life. But if we've accepted Christ, he's dealt with the past. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, he says, if any man be in Christ, he's what? A new creation, verse 17 there. Old things have passed away, so don't play the if-only game. If only I hadn't done this fact of the matter is it's gone in Christ and Ephesians chapter 1 verse 6 says we are now accepted by God in the beloved accepted because we are in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ that leads us to a second freedom here we are free from condemnation we are also in verses 2 and 3 free from sin's dominion at this point in life now you got to read verse 2 and 3 carefully because there's three different laws being mentioned here, and if we're not careful, we get them confused in our, our thinking there. He begins with the law, verse three of, or verse two there, the, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Praise the Lord. He says, "The spirit of life, the law of the spirit of life has what? It has set us free from the law of sin. And death. notice it doesn't say it may set us free. It doesn't say it it will set us free. It says it has set us free from the law of sin and and death there now. Then the second law that he mentions there is found in verse 2, the law of sin and death. When did that come into play? I think that takes us clear back to the Garden of Eden. Remember, God said to Adam and Eve, the day that you eat thereof, you shall surely die. In the moment where they ate, they came under the sentence of death. They were under the control of sin. And it it comes to us today as a result of our old nature there. And yet, praise the Lord, God has overcome that for us through the law of the spirit of of life now. And then the third law that he mentions is found in verse 3. Notice it's capitalized in most of your translations there. He's talking about the Old Testament law now the righteous requirements that God gave to his redeemed people there. And we need to realize that the law was not given as a means of salvation. The people could not keep the law in their own strength. They, they, they came through the blood of, of the lamb there. But the law does reveal the righteous requirements of God. And, and we'll go on in a few minutes to look at the fact that the problem is not the law. The problem is in our heart and, and, and in our, our life there but the word law that he uses in this case here has the meaning of the has the meaning of dominion or it means to have the rule or the authority over somebody we recognize that principle today how many of you recognize the law of the land or the laws of the land you know I mean we have a driver's license we we recognize that with that license comes the responsibility to live according to the law that, that the, the government has, has given to us there. It has that sense of authority, that sense of dominion over us. And what he's saying here is before we came to Christ, the law of sin and death had its claim upon us. We were bound to that law. We, it had the authority over us. When we came to Christ, if you recall back in chapter 7, he said, we died. We entered into that death with Jesus Christ, into his burial and his resurrection there. We became dead to the law of sin and death. We are alive today to the law of the spirit of life. It now has the claim upon us. We belong to him. We don't belong to Satan and the powers of darkness. We belong to Jesus Christ. We are under the law of the Spirit now today. We've changed, in a sense, masters there. Now, it has set us free to become all that God wants us to be. I realize we are still in that struggle, that process of being sanctified. We are still learning to follow God's righteous requirements, to live live for God there. We we don't have to serve sin. We can live as, as he expects us to live today. We no longer need to walk in the flesh. We can walk in the spirit. Uh, Galatians 6, or 5 verse 16 says, walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the desires of the flesh there. If, if we choose to walk with God, and and again the problem is not with God's requirements, the problem is within our heart there. In the past, we had no power to live for God. Today, we have the Spirit of God directing us, helping us to make the right choices to to live as we should. So much so that in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, he says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, entreat you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. We have been called to follow Jesus Christ we have been called to be his ambassadors we have been called to glorify him in this life we do not have to serve sin today we have within our hearts the law of the spirit of life one of the problems that we have and as a community we're wrestling with the issue of marijuana and so forth one of the problems that we have today is the old nature doesn't have the power to do what it should what what is right and and we have to wrestle with that uh, that's one of the problems with legislating morality and i'm not suggesting that we shouldn't legislate morality we certainly need those laws for to protect society but those laws will not change the heart only the spirit of god can do that and and we need to pray that god's spirit would be poured out upon us and upon our community as, as well there because the third freedom that we have here is the freedom to live for God in verse 4 it becomes our choice ephesians 5:18 says don't be drunk with wine but be what filled with the spirit be controlled be under the direction of the spirit as we yield control to him verse 4 we then can walk according to the spirit you ever think about walking I like to get out every morning or six mornings a week. I don't do it Wednesday mornings, but six mornings a week I like to get out and walk about two miles. You know what I found? I can do that without even thinking about the process. I just get my shoes on and go out, and I walk. Sometimes I run into a couple characters out there, and we walk together, and we visit and fellowship together. Never give a second thought to how in the world do you walk? When was the last time you thought about that process in in your life? Now, some of you with the walkers and so forth are thinking about that a little more than you used to. But we just go out and we walk. Uh, To walk literally means to take one step at a time. We advance step by step. That's the process of walking. And praise the Lord, in the Christian life, that's what he's asking us to do to take one step at at a time. Two years ago we were camping on the edge of the Banff National Park up in Canada, and I don't know about your family, ours is kind of different. (laughs) When when we get together on a family vacation, we feel like we've got to pack every moment full of some activity. uh, Somebody We come back and say, did you have a restful time? We don't know what that is. We, uh, if we're paying money to be in a campground, we're going to experience everything that campground has. We, we rent a house on the coast. We're going to enjoy every moment we can out there on the beach. We, we, we just don't rest when, when we're on vacation, and that's the way we like it. But uh, I think it was our third day there. We said, well, what are we going to do tomorrow? And somebody came up with a bright idea that outside of Lake Louise there's two tea houses. You have to hike way up the mountain to get to the tea houses i don't know if any of you ever been to the tea houses or not but uh, uh I, i'm a little bit crazy when it comes to things like that uh, we we talked it over and we figured well the family could make it up to the, the one tea house because that was only about two and a half mile walk and uh, and uh, straight up <laughs> well we didn't tell them that <laughs> but uh, my son-in-law and my grandson and crazy grandfather here decided there's two tea houses out there. So if if we left at 6 o'clock in the morning, we could hike up to the first one, have tea there, and then go across the mountain to the second one and meet the family there for lunch. And uh, when we added it all up, it was about 11, 12-mile hike. Uh, and so we got up at 6 o'clock. Everybody else is still sleeping. We stop at Tim Horton's on the way for breakfast, grab grab a bite, and and arrive at Lake Louise just about 6.30. And our grandson said, I'll lead off. (laughs) And so he's practically running along Lake Louise. (laughs) And uh, we get about halfway up to the first tea house, and I'm beginning to wonder, am I going to make this? Uh, I can't keep up with this teenager. (laughs) And fortunately, his father looked at me and he said, you know what, this is crazy. We don't have to hurry like this. Let's take our time and enjoy ourselves. And I said amen to that. <laughs> so about 10 o'clock, we get up to the first tea house, and we have tea and biscuits that they serve there, and, and very expensive because everything has to be flown in by helicopter. And then we spend a little bit of time looking around, and we say, well, we better get moving to the other one. And I'm thinking, got it made from here, because that's about the same elevation, or at least I thought it was. So we just wander around the side of the mountain, and we'll meet the family for lunch. We dipped down a short ways and then started up, and we just didn't stop going up. It just kept going up and up and up. I, I don't know how they made that two-and-a-half-mile hike straight up, but uh, they they did it. But uh, getting toward the end of the hike, uh, I I was having a difficult time keeping up because of the, the lack of oxygen and the lack of food. I had eaten up probably all the snacks that I had with me except for a peach. And, and – uh, Probably old age played a factor in that as well, (laughs) but uh, finally I said to my grandson and and his father, I said, you guys go on ahead, it's only another mile or so and the trail is well marked, I'll be okay, just go ahead and and, and don't wait for me, and so they did. And uh, our grandson later said, we we smoked grandpa today, (laughs) and they did. But I, I, I reached the point where I was probably about a half a mile, maybe a quarter of a mile out of, from the tea house, and it was about 1230, and I was done. I could not go another step. I, there was a big rock in the middle of the trail. I sat down, and I thought, I, I've got to do something, so I started rummaging through my backpack, and my wife had insisted I take a peach along with me. I didn't want to pack it. Crazy peach up there, but uh, that's all I had to eat, all I had left. And boy, you know what? She was wise. (laughs) I I was so thankful for that, but I'm sitting there thinking, how am I going to finish this walk? And then it came to me, I could probably do 25 steps. So I'm going to do 25, I'm going to count them 25 steps, then I'm going to stop and rest. And then I'm going to do 25 more steps. And I'm just going to keep that process up till I get to the Tia. So that's what I did. I I could do 25 steps, but I couldn't do the whole thing in my mind. And so I broke it up into, into little segments. And that's what God is asking us to do in our Christian life as well. We're called to take one step at a time. He's not asking us to walk tomorrow's journey today. He's not asking us to go through next year this year he says take it one step at a time my spirit will walk that step with you today he gives us the grace that we need for today and the day I I still remember coming around the corner up up there seeing the, the lake that we were supposed to meet at and seeing the tea house in the distance you know what? As we take those steps one day at a time with Jesus, the day's going to come when we're going to see the gates of glory. That's going to be the final step, and we're going to be home with Christ in glory. In Psalm 23, he assures us that even when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he's going to be right there walking with us. He'll see us safely home to glory. We have been freed from condemnation. As you think about that, do you believe that today? Have you accepted the sacrifice of Christ as your means of salvation? Or are you playing the if-only game today? If only I hadn't done this, or if only I had made this decision, or on and on it goes. Are you constantly rehearsing the past, or are you letting it go, realizing that you have been set free from the condemnation of the past? You're a new creature in Christ. Don't play that if-only game today. And then, as you think of your life today, don't get overwhelmed by the journey. God only asks you to take one step at a time. What is he asking you to do today? Not what is he asking you to do next year or next week, but what is that step? It may be just a simple baby step. That's okay. If that's what God asking you to do, That's what he wants you to do today, and he'll take care of tomorrow for you as well. As a matter of fact, here's another verse that's not in your notes, but Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 and 34. We're very familiar with verse 33. Seek first the kingdom of God, his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. But notice verse 34. He says, don't be anxious for tomorrow, for tomorrow will take care of itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Got some trouble today? Got some trials? Got some difficulties? Don't add tomorrow's difficulties to that. God gives you the grace for today, and and today only there. We need to learn to take that one step of faith. What is he asking of you? What does he want you to do today? Not what does he want you to do tomorrow, but what does he want you to do today? Aren't, Aren't you glad that he doesn't lay out the whole year at the beginning of the year for you I'll tell you everything that's going to happen, I, I, I think, of this week. Uh, we, we got the call Monday night. Our daughter was going in for emergency C-section. Uh, I'm glad I didn't know that several weeks ago. <laughs> I have to worry about that coming up. God, God took care of it all. Uh, and he's just asking us to do just that, that one step today, walk worthy of him, today and tomorrow he'll be there for us and we'll walk worthy of him tomorrow there but is he asking you to take a step today are you willing to take that step to the glory of jesus christ let's pray father thank you that as you said to the apostle paul your grace is sufficient for us for today thank you that you are walking this day with us that you are there for us. And we want to give you thanks and praise and blessing for that today. And, Father, thank you that you freed us from the condemnation of the past, that it's been taken care of, paid for on the cross of Calvary. Help us not to go over that past again. Help us to remind ourselves that Christ paid that price. We're a new creature. We've been changed and transformed. We're no longer under the, the bondage of that law of sin and death. Father, as we think of it today, if you're asking us to take a step of faith, give us the courage to do that. One step at a time, Father. We'll give you thanks and praise for that in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing Spirit of the Living God. Very appropriate when we think of what Paul said, I can't do it myself. But with God's Spirit, we can do it. So, very